Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. And today we're really lucky to have with us uh, a poet who has been widely published in her native country, Argentina. And she's here in Leeds for a short amount of time. So we're, it's great to have grabbed this opportunity to be with her in Studio One this afternoon. Liliana Lukin. Hello, Liliana. Hello. <laughs> We're going to be uh, doing this interview in Spanish, but translated by Martine. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking to Liliana about her work, about uh, about her time here in, in Leeds. So first of all, um, Liliana, how has Leeds been for you? ¿Cómo ha sido Leeds para vos? Bueno, primero quiero agradecer muchísimo esta invitación. I would like to thank this invite. Para mí es un, un honor y una, una alegría, un gusto estar en un lugar como este. It's a pleasure to be in a place like this. No solamente porque, porque es muy hermoso. Not only because it's very beautiful. <laughs> sino porque el trabajo que hacen me parece muy interesante. But also because the work you do uh, y, y no, is very interesting for me. Y no siempre uno tiene la oportunidad de llegar con su trabajo a un público amplio de intereses muy diferentes. And it's not always that you have the opportunity to reach a wide audience with a very diverse interests. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, I mean, it'd be great to know a little bit more about your writing in general. So, I mean, what, what, what's the range of writing that you do? Are you mainly a poet? Entonces sería interesante empezar por el, el tipo de escritura que haces. Eh, ¿Cuál es el, el rango de escrituras a las que te dedicas? ¿Sos principalmente una poeta? Yo me nombro escritora. I name myself as a writer. Toda mi obra eh, publicada All my published work en libros in books es de poesía. Es poesía. Pero tengo muchos trabajos publicados también en diferentes medios, periodísticos, académicos, editoriales, que no son poesía. I have many pieces of work, pieces of writing that I have, uh, I have been published in uh, journals, uh, academic uh, magazines, um, newspapers even, that are not necessarily poetry. Mm. Uh, He hecho muchas eh, ediciones de libros, antologías, temáticas. I worked a lot publishing um, anthologies of uh, uh, literature. Para, uh, para difusión de la literatura. As in uh, um, divulgation, literature divulgation <coughs> in uh, um, on their certain themes. Right, sí. so yeah, so uh, you've obviously poetry then is your 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 kind of your main focus it would be lovely to hear a poem entonces la eh, poesía es es tu foco principal estaría buenísimo escuchar ahora un poema yeah it would be lovely to hear. yeah absolutely and I, you're going to read it in spanish and then I'll, <coughs> i will sight read it in english and i hope I, i do a decent job puedo decir algo antes can i say something before sorry can i say something before reading yeah yeah of course yeah eh, Quisiera que se, que se entienda que este poema que voy a leer es un poema escrito más allá de la mitad del camino de la vida. Uh, I, I would like it to be understood that the poem I'm about to write is a poem that was written more than halfway through uh, in the path of life. Mm -hmm. eh, eso es un, es un verso que todos usamos eh, en los poetas, más allá del, de la mitad del camino de la vida, forma parte de un poema famoso. Pero quiere decir que yo ya era una, una persona que había experimentado muchos temas. So, uh, this uh, more than halfway through in the path of life is, um, is a, 
an idiom in the poetry world, uh, like a made-up phrase that we use regularly. And then <coughs> what, I, what, I, what it means for me is that when I wrote this poetry, I had already experienced uh, many different themes. Y, y de mí, de mí mm. se dice... And oh, about me, it is said... Que he sido una poeta sobre la denuncia y el testimonio durante that, la dictadura. That I was a poet about um, denounce and testimony during the uh, dictatorship in Argentina. Pero también después una poeta feminista. But afterwards a feminist poet. Y también después una poeta del discurso amoroso. And after that a poet of the uh, love speech. Del discurso erótico. Of the erotic speech. Y finalmente, toda esta etapa es una poesía de la experiencia directa. And, and finally, in this last stage of my writing, it is a poet, poetry of um, the direct experience. Ya no, no me importan los temas. I don't care about themes anymore. Sino me importa eh, traducir a este idioma que es la poesía I, 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 I care about translating to this language which is poetry eh, lo, que me, lo que me pasa y lo que veo en el mundo what happens to me and what I see in the world <coughs> fantastic I love the, the phrase to be halfway along the path of life it reminds me of uh, the first line of Dante's Inferno when uh, in the middle I think in the middle of my life I find myself in a dark forest eh, me encanta esa frase estar a medio camino en el, el camino de la vida es eh, me recuerda el comienzo del, del infierno de Dante eh, en, me encuentro en, en una en un, en un bosque en, a mitad de camino es que de allí debe ser que surge esa frase como una frase hecha. Que todos los poetas sabemos que es una cita. Me encantaría poder citarlo en italiano. A mí también. Este, este libro que vas a leer, entonces, es un libro que tiene un tema en particular. Sí, eh, yo estaba en un lugar eh, en el sur de Argentina, rodeada de bosques. So, uh, so yes, I was spending some time in a particular place uh, in the south of Argentina, surrounded by forests. Lagos. Uh, with lakes. En, en una pequeña casa In a little house. De, de una amiga. My friend's uh, little wood house. Yo fui a, una, un, a un retiro para escribir. Y al llegar descubrí que estaban talando 100 árboles. Y cuando llegué, descubrí que estaban talando 100 árboles. Y cuando llegué, descubrí que estaban por eso hablo de una poética de la experiencia. That's how I came to talk about a poetry of the experience. Porque no pude hacer otra cosa que escribir sobre lo que estaba pasando. Because I, I couldn't help but write about what was happening. Mm. Great. Ah, absolutely. So Liliana is just looking through the book. He's going to read a poem for us. <coughs> Me dicen que habrá frutales, que la penetración del sol hará una alfombra de la hierba. Por cada muñón, dos árboles futuros. Mientras florecen, yo iré madurando y podré no olvidar los ojos de agua vacíos las cenizas en círculo, este humo, una catástrofe sobre mi vida. So yes, if I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go reading that in English. So the book is called Theatre of Operations. 
They tell me there will be fruit trees, that the penetration of the sun will make a carpet of the grass. For every stump, two future trees. As they flower, I will ripen and be able not to forget the watery eyes emptied, the ashes circling, this smoke, a catastrophe upon my life. Lovely. Thank you very much. And, yeah, I wondered... I, I, <coughs> I wonder if you know, uh, if you've read a novel by Richard Powers called The Overstory. The Overstory? The Overstory. The Overstory. Eh, se pregunta si eh, has leído una novela de Richard Powers, eh, The Overstory. The la... Overstory. Yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. It's about trees. It's about the way that trees communicate es, with each other. Es, es sobre, sobre árboles y cómo se comunican entre ellos. Ah, no, pero ah. sí he leído, por ejemplo... Um, el paseo de este pasear de Sebald. Ah, uh, she um, no, <coughs> but I I have read um, the the story by, by by Sebald uh, ah. o yeah. yeah. uh, Henry David Thoreau. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Well eh, pasear. Absolutely no? wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Eh, Go for it. Quisiera quisiera leer un pequeño poema yep. que muestra cómo eh, el efecto de la catástrofe natural, la catástrofe natural, no, la catástrofe humana sobre la naturaleza, eh, que yo eh, intenté describir en ese primer poema. I would like to read this short poem eh, that shows how the, the natural catastrophe that I attempted to describe in this first poem. Eh, se transforma en una catástrofe, así como el poema dice, una catástrofe sobre mi vida, como yo describo, entonces, mi ser, mi persona, en esa situación. So, uh, the, the same way the, the initial poem said a catastrophe about my life. Uh, so, how... how in this poem, I describe the effect on my own life. En el camino de la edad, estoy llegando a la excelencia. Hago de la necesidad virtud, aunque mi cuerpo sea un territorio de negociaciones ocupado por fuerzas que no reconozco. En estos días en que la filosofía es un murmullo de la edad, soy la franja de Gaza que separa lo que soy de lo que fui. On the journey of age, I'm arriving at excellence. I turn need into virtue. Even when my body is a territory of negotiations occupied by forces I do not recognize. On these days in which philosophy is a murmur of age, I am the gauze strip that separates what I am from what I was. Thank you. Eh, quiero agradecer porque realmente es muy, muy, muy agradable, muy bello como lee y escuchar estos poemas en inglés. Oh, I, I would like to say thank you because it's really beautiful and very pleasant to hear you saying these poems. Ah. Uh, with your voice in English. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, y eh, me preguntaba él al principio qué era para mí esta estadía o cómo era para mí esta estadía en Leeds. You were asking me at the beginning <coughs> what it meant uh, for me this staying in Leeds. Y yo diría que fue una inmersión amorosa. I would say it was a love dive. Eh, en una situación familiar in a, in a family situation. donde viajé especialmente en este momento tan difícil de la historia del mundo invitada por my son uh, invited by my son <laughs> para conocer a my grandson 
to, to meet my, my grandson. A petit baby. <laughs> Absolutely, eh? yeah, go on. Y Leeds es un lugar eh, bello, bonito, Let's pero say, para mí muy place, frío. But very cold. <laughs> yes. Y, yes, eso, y eso lo estoy sufriendo eh, todo el tiempo y por eso leo con esta voz uh, afónica que no es mi verdadera voz. And, and I'm suffering this, um, this cold all the time, so I'm, I'm reading with this um, rough voice, which is not my real voice. Well, it sounds fine to me. And it's, Suena it's, muy bien igual. <laughs> and, it's, and it's great. And I mean, obviously, this is a journey you obviously had to make because it's a very important journey to see your grandson and your son. And Ma, I should say Martin is, is Liliana's son who's translating. <laughs> so it's very much a family affair here in Studio One. But um, I was going to ask you, Liliana, where, does, where did poetry begin for you? ¿Cómo empezó la poesía para vos? Eh, casi diría que es una, un, un clásico. En mi casa, en mi casa familiar de la infancia, uh, hubo siempre libros. Eh, fui muy estimulada para, a, para mirar libros, leer libros. Aprendí a leer antes de entrar a la escuela. Eh, eso es obra de mis padres, de mi madre sobre todo. Eh, y, y desarrollé un amor especial por el dibujo de las letras, por, por la lectura y por el objeto libro. Un libro era para mí eh, un juguete muy, muy preciado. I would say it's almost a stereotypical story. I had always been around books. Um, I was stimulated to read and appreciate the books way before school, especially, I would say, as uh, the, the work of my mother. And um, so I developed love for even the drawing of the letters and, and the design, the, the beauty behind the writing, um, which led me to, to appreciate the, the object of the book. With these books... De, toda, de todas formas, mi padre era un estudiante universitario eh, que hizo toda su carrera con cuatro hijos pequeños. So my father, at all this, my father was a uni student that did all his studies uh, having four young children. Así que eh, mi madre estimulaba el dibujo, pero mi padre era el modelo intelectual. So while my mother stimulated the drawing, Um, um, the writing. Um, it was my father who did the um, uh, intel was behind the intellectual stimulus. I don't, what I don't quite understand. Did your mother make books? Did she write books, or did she? I don't, didn't quite understand that. Era tu madre hacía libros o escribía. No, estimulaba y era yo muy era apreciado que yo gustara tanto de leer. No, no, my mother just uh, really encouraged me to read and, and she, she praised my, my love for books. Pero, debo decir que toda mi escuela secundaria But through all my secondary school fue el lugar de mayor lectura. It was when I read the most. Yo iba a la biblioteca eh, en los recreos I would escape to the library during bibliotecaria una niña de 13 años 13, 14 y me llevaba a mi casa 10 libros de poesía por semana so I, I, I was 13, 14 years old um, but I would, I would take home uh, 10 books every week mm -hmm. Poetry books every week. Los leía y copiaba en cuadernos míos los poemas que me gustaban. I, I would read them and I would copy in my own notebooks mm. the, the poems I liked. Mm. 
Are these writers uh, from Argentina or are they from further beyond? No, en la biblioteca de la escuela secundaria solamente había poesía argentina. In, in my secondary school's library, there was only Argentinian poetry. Pero yo empecé a escribir poesía en la escuela secundaria. But I started to write poetry in secondary school. Y una profesora en cuarto año, a los 15 años, tercero, cuarto año, 15 años, enviaba mis poemas al a un diario en, en, en una ciudad vecina al, a la capital. So when I was um, in year eight or nine, one of my teachers um, would, would uh, submit some of my uh, writing, some of my poems to a newspaper in in the capital city in Buenos Aires. Y se publicaban. And, and they would have been published. Entonces, podríamos decir que todos los niños que son estimulados de esa manera se convierten en poetas. Could we say that all children are stimulated this way would become poets? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Probablemente escriban. They, they, might, they might write. Porque hay como una tendencia natural a expresar los sentimientos en la escritura y creer que eso es poesía. There's a natural tendency to express feelings through writing and, and, and to believe that that is poetry. Pero la poesía necesita una conciencia de la música de las palabras. But poetry needs... Um, an awareness of the music of the words. Y no solamente eso, porque con la música de las palabras solas no hacemos poesía. And not only that, because with only the music of the words, we don't do poetry. Sino también una, una capacidad de, de traducir las ideas, los sentimientos... En, en frases, en metáforas, en imágenes. And, and, but not only that, but also the, the ability to translate uh, the ideas, the feelings, uh, um, into... A conceptos, a frases metafóricas. Into metaphors, in, a into, me into a uh, imágenes, images. A imágenes mm. visuales. Visual images, uh, metaphors. Eh, una, una necesidad de el, el lema el lema si figura existe la palabra el lema sería cómo decir lo, lo que pienso y lo que siento de una forma en que al escribirlo yo piense que nadie pensó esa idea antes so the, the idea would be how to write what I feel and what I think in a way that when I read it, I can feel that nobody has ever written that before. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And would you, before we have another poem, I just wanted to ask you if there were any particular Argentinian poets that influenced you and who we should read. Antes de que leas otro poema, eh, quería preguntarte si eh, tenés algún eh, escritor o poeta argentino que te parece que eh, no podríamos no deberíamos dejar de leer. ¿Podría prometer una lista de nombres para I el próximo pro programa? I could promise you a list of names for the next show. Ok, fair enough, fair enough. Eh, yeah. Porque si digo ahora, voy a decir Borges. I would, if I say now, I would, uh, I would say... Yeah, the obvious ones. The yeah, obvious yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, Entonces, no yeah. quiero decir lo obvio, pero también hay que leer a Borges. Yeah. I don't want to say the obvious, but no, no. obviously you also need to read Borges. Yes, <laughs> pero hay muchos otros poetas que a mí me enamoraron. But there's many other poets that I fell in love with. Y también eso es parte del trabajo de convertirse en poeta. And that's also part of the work behind becoming a poet. Enamorarse de una escritura y después lograr no escribir así. Falling in love with the writing and then uh, manage to avoid writing that mm -hmm. way. Have you been writing in Leeds? Entonces te quería preguntar justamente, 
has, has estado escribiendo en Leeds. No he podido. I, I, I wasn't able to. No, no time. No he podido. Small baby. No, eh, eh, si, de alguna manera, eh, solo baby. In, in some way, only baby. Eh, yeah, only baby. Para escribir, necesito estar o muy afectada. To, to write, I need to be either deeply touched, affected. O muy solitaria y concentrada. O very uh, um, retired, um, concentrated. I envy you, you, your, um, your place in the woods on your own. <laughs> Envidio tu pequeño lugar en, en los bosques. <laughs> Ese lugar ya no, no existe más. Este, that place doesn't exist anymore. <coughs> este, ah, libro, este, este libro es de 2007. This book is from 2007. Ah, yeah. Oh, shame. Oh, sí. shame. The, the Pero el pequeño lugar, el pequeño lugar... Eh, es mi cabeza. The, 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 that small place is in my head. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, because we can't always find a place in the woods in reality. I guess. Porque no siempre podemos encontrar un pequeño lugar en el medio de los bosques. Claro, yeah, yeah. así es. Entonces, mi, mi, mi kitchen, mi cocina, es mi bosque. Uh, so my, my kitchen, my actual kitchen, is my forest. <laughs> ah, the kitchen is the forest. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. En winter. Uh, yeah. uh, during winter, yeah. Uh, yeah, kitchen. Yeah, yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah. In my living or my living room or, or my terrace is, is my place during summer. During the summer. <laughs> Lovely. Um, Liliana, are you, what's, you've written on various themes... Uh, through your life, and you listed some of those earlier on. Uh, and you say at the moment you're just writing what you see and what you experience. Eh, entonces, eh, durante tu vida has escrito eh, <coughs> muchos temas y los describiste anteriormente. Um, sorry, what was that? Yeah, um, and you said that the, at the moment you ah. are writing what you see, y, y al, what you experience. Yeah. Y en este momento dijiste que estás escribiendo sobre lo que ves o lo que experimentas. So what do you do? You have a book coming out soon. Tienes algún libro eh, que vaya a ser editado próximamente. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Three. That was a, that was some um, finger signage. El there. año pasado. Uh, last year. Publiqué un libro que empecé a escribir en 2018. I, I published uh, last year a book that I started writing in 2018. Que es un libro de duelo. Uh, it's a book about grief. Por la ausencia de mi compañero de vida. Uh, about the absence of my, uh, que falleció. my partner. Mm. Um, my life partner who passed away. Mm. Y... Eh, Apenas publiqué el libro, as soon as I published that book, que yo dije que iba a ser un libro no sobre la enfermedad, no sobre la muerte. I said I wouldn't be a book about illness or about death, sino sobre su ausencia en mí. But about his absence in me. Terminado ese libro, publicado ese libro, yo continuo escribiendo. As, uh, as I finished that book, as I published it, I continued writing en ese te ese tema. In, on that topic. But I realized that I'm not writing anymore about his absence in sino me. Que hay como un pequeño deslizamiento. That's like a shift. Y ahora escribo todo esto nuevo sobre cómo estoy yo en su ausencia. And I'm writing all this new uh, poetry about how I am, how I am, in his absence. Yeah. Son como vueltas de tuerca, exprimirle a la experiencia todos sus jugos. It's like expressing all the juices of experience. Y tengo además un libro que empecé en 2011, 10 años atrás, que nunca terminé de publicar, ni de armar, ni de decidirme a dar a, la, a luz. That I, I, I never managed to, 
to finish or to to put together or, or to, to give give birth to. Y que ahora está terminado. And now it's finished. Y que es sobre padres, madres, hijos. And it's about fathers, mothers, children. Y el amor tan tan complicado. And, and such a complicated love. Eterno. Eternal. Yeah. Y, y, y perecedero. Eternal, but eh, perennial. De, de lo familiar. Uh, like about yeah, the, the family. Mm. No de family, de fami lo familiar. Ajá, uh -huh. so de familia. De familia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. got yes. it. Yeah. Muertes, envejecimiento, nacimientos. Ajá, mm. uh -huh. so mm. like the, the familiar as in the, the relatives, not yes, the familiar. I know, yes, I the, think I know what you mean. It's, it's pertaining to family. Yeah. Yes. Than, yeah, yeah, got it. Liliana, do you have, I mean, you, you, yeah, do you have a final poem? ¿Tienes un poema us? final para, re, para uh, leer? From this para book. Terminar? It would be lovely, it would be lovely to, to have some copies of your books one day for eh, the library here at Chapel FM. Sería genial tener en algún momento una copia de algún libro tuyo eh, para la, libre, la biblioteca de Chapel Aunque FM. sea en español. Even if yeah. it's in Spanish, yeah, definitely. Ah, and it, but it would be lovely. I would love to read the one that, or well, the ones particularly that relate to grief, which is a, a subject I've been concerned with. Me encantaría uh, leer igual el poema sobre eh, el duelo, porque es un tema que me ha interesado últimamente. Yeah. So maybe one day, if they're translated in English, it'd be great. Sí, en algún momento están traducidos al inglés. Yeah. Sería no, genial. No, todavía no, pero. Not yet. I'll have to rely on Martín. Martín <laughs> tiene unos poemas que yo escribí en 1982. So I wrote some poems in 1982. Durante la dictadura argentina. During, during yeah. uh, uh, the dictatorship in Argentina. Yeah. Sobre el silencio, la represión. About repression, silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eh, lo, los cuerpos que desaparecen. The bodies that disappear. Y esos poemas fueron traducidos al inglés And those poems were translated to English. para un uh, seminario que yo di en Austria. For a seminar I, I, for a lecture I gave in Austria. En la Universidad de Graz. In Graz University. Sobre el tema de la representación del cuerpo en la tortura y la represión about the representation of the body mm. in torture and repression. Entonces, eh, ellos tradujeron unos ocho poemas, son más o menos. They translated about eight pe poems. Pequeños poemas, breves. Y ¿De qué libros son? De Descomposición. From, from the book uh, Decomposition. Okay. Yeah. Descomposición. Y se los repartieron a 100 alumnos. And they, they gave them out to the hundred students in the, in the lecture. Eh, alumnos eh, que saben hablar inglés, pero que estudian en Austria, so obviamente. Austrian students, but obviously they, they were English speakers. Y, y les dieron a trabajar esos poemas. And they worked with those poems. Con preguntas, con discusiones, con, con informes que tuvieron que presentar. Uh, they did uh, coursework with those questions mm. and reports, etc. Y entonces, luego el seminario era, yo expuse mi, mi, mi ponencia sobre el tema de la representación del cuerpo. So, eh, my, my, the, 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 the lecture was about me... Uh, giving a presentation about the, the topic of the representation of the body. Y los, eh, los alumnos y los profesores tenían preguntas para mí. Um, students and, and professors had questions <coughs> to ask back. Brilliant. Yeah. Fue muy interesante y quedó este, este testimonio, digamos, de los poemas traducidos al inglés. So it was very interesting for me, very mm. nice experience, and, and I also have the outcome of those, those right. poems y translated to English. And it's also very interesting because these are old poems, 1982, but still so actual. Ah, right. Porque la historia del mundo 
sigue siendo terrible. Bueno, de este libro eh, voy a leer en el, un poema de, de, la pre, de la parte de los de los árboles. I will read a poem from the first part, the one of the trees. So this is a final poem from Liliana Lukin and it's been really lovely to have you on the show. Último poema de Liliana Lukin y ha sido un placer tenerte aquí en el Un placer para mí estar aquí, de verdad. A real pleasure being here. ¿Qué se me ha perdido aquí? ¿Qué vengo a buscar? ¿Qué tengo yo que hacer aquí? Otra vez aquí, aquí donde cubierta por lo removido se ve la huella del desgarro, esos pedazos de árbol que estrangulan la imagen de su propia fronda. La honda descomposición de lo que miro anuda en mí, que pongo migas de pan para los pájaros y endulzo el agua que bebe el colibrí, como si repitiera una canción como si devolviera a la casa que me hospeda la felicidad de estar perdida en lo que escribo. Por cada acto, dos poemas futuros. Alcanzar una taza de té, prender un fuego que no sea el de la escena, servir un plato y colgar visillos en algún cristal para que velen, para que esfumen las raíces a la vista, Tal es la ofrenda por la palabra que consigo cavar. Cada felicidad me lleva a interrumpirla, oh goce, y como los frutos silvestres que mejoran sufriendo con la helada, el desconsuelo de estar aquí se me convierte en el placer de estar a punto, ya madura en lo perdido y de saber, y de saber tener habido eso que en mí vine a encontrar. Okay. What have I lost here? What have I come to find? What do I have to do here? Here again, here, where buried beneath what's been removed. The trace of the tear can be seen those pieces of tree that strangle the image of its own frond. The deep decomposition of what I see tangles within me. I leave breadcrumbs for the birds and sweeten the water the hummingbird drinks. As if I were repeating a song, as if I were giving back to the home that houses me the happiness of being lost in what I write. For each act... Two future poems. Reach for a cup of tea. Light a fire that doesn't belong to the scene. Serve a plate and hang curtains on some pane so they veil, so that the roots fade from view. Such is the offering for the word I'm able to exhume. Each happiness leads me to interrupt it, O oh joy. And like the red berries that improve suffering during the frost, the despair of being here turns into the pleasure of being on the verge, already ripened by loss, and of knowing, of having had what in myself I came to find. Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words, from East Leeds FM. Inquiry into Climate Change, Episode 7, Metal. 
In classical mythology, the titan Prometheus tricked the gods and stole fire from them to pass on to humans to make their life easier. The gift of fire has become a symbol of technology, which can either prolong life and ease suffering, or harm and destroy. For the philosopher Gunther Anders, everything changed on the 6th of August 1945, when the first nuclear bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. After that, he said we can no longer imagine this world we've created, where violence is possible on a scale far beyond our comprehension. Today, our smartphones and computers involve technology and elements whose origin can be traced back to nuclear science, as well as the extraction of rare earth minerals. What harm are we doing without even being fully conscious of it? Professor Richard Dawson from Newcastle University raises the ethical complexity of technological progress. We are seeing more use of rarer earth metals that are crucial to the manufacture of microchips or magnets in our wind turbines, for example. And these are in very small quantities throughout the planet. So digging them up is hugely challenging. Then processing that raw aggregate material and extracting the small amounts of these rare metals in enough quantity to be usable is hugely energy intensive and actually quite environmentally damaging. It's not just about environmental challenges. Many of these rare earth metals are in parts of the world that are fueled by conflict, which creates other social problems as well. It is a big challenge, I think, for the world to do this responsibly. If we only owned or interacted with machines we could 100% agree with in terms of ethics and sustainability, we'd have far fewer devices. Even before the digital revolution, the philosopher Anders said that our addiction to technology meant we were no longer dreaming of a better society, only dreaming of a better machine. How do we make sure we're driving technological progress and it's not driving us? How can we begin to extricate ourselves from the tangle of unintended consequences? What might it look like to stay on the side of life, all life? Humans are great at burying their heads in the sand like ostriches. I took some of these questions to Inua Elams, poet, playwright and performer. We feel overwhelmed by the scale of change required to create a better world. I think about that in terms of the great wealth disparity across the world. I think about it in terms of the legacy of colonization, the invention of racism, the societies it's created, the way power moves through those societies. So all of this history is, is linked with poverty, is linked with famine, which is linked with climate change and desertification, and it's, it keeps compounding itself. And there are huge, huge topics, things to wrap your head around, and it's frightening to consider, and I understand that fear. So the only way is to go incrementally, inch by inch, diagonally sometimes, to go around the back route and come in that way. And I think... We're still uh, machines powered by emotion and love and fear are the most powerful of emotions and fear is often far more destructive than love is, but love is what we need. Oh my God, isn't that an actual <laughs> lyric from a song? That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we have to cater to that sometimes, mm. yeah, and, mm. and to nurture it. And I think appealing to love might be greater than to fear. Maybe this would be a good point to, for you to read your poem. Yes, this is Humanity, right? That poem. Yeah. It came from a sequence of 55 poems where all the poems begin with the F word. And um, this sequence of poems is all about climate change. If I had to describe the sequence, I'd say it's from anger with love. And this is one, Humanity. Humanity, I want to bellow like a card-carrying champion of the nihilist society. F 
all the ways even our most earnest, faithful, folded over, humbled, deep down considered attempt at amending our venomous ills undoes itself. Think almond milk and California wildfires, nitrogen fertilizer and industrial food waste, factory emission limits and the trade in carbon offsets, free market and exploitation, voluntary work and white savior complex, vegan avocado diets and deforestation, phones to connect our lonely spirits and black bodies in coal tan mines. Every single attempt. Our best bet is to annihilate our vicious selves. I want to bellow as Ellie pushes her three-year-old hand into the calloused cave of mine. Her fingers, frail as elderberry petals, flutter. She calls me down to the careful constellations blooming in the brown universe of her brimming eyes, and all I am folds over, humbled, deep down, reconsidering attempt at amending our venomous ills, even if it undoes me. Thank you so much. What I loved about the dynamic that you were able to achieve in the poem was this moving from this sense of paradox, things being pulled in different directions, to a place of unity by the touch of her hand, by the tenderness. So it's as if love has the power to change the way that we read these signals. I think that is true, but sometimes I question how deep its truth is. I remember reading somewhere that um, the world is chaos. The job of writers is to impose order, you know, and, and, and it helps yeah. us be human in all of this. It helps us not pull all our hair out. And, you know, I, it definitely doesn't work in my case because I'm completely bald. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's an effect which helps me control the chaos. It's something that I'm conscious of doing though, which is to somehow beautify the ugliness and present these, these difficult poems or these difficult topics in digestible ways so that audiences have something to grapple to take. But sometimes I wonder, perhaps I shouldn't sugarcoat or smoothing things. If, if the pill is rough, I should just give the rough pill. But I think we get a sense of the bitter pill very much in this poem. I was very aware that you talk about the mining, the Colton mining, in places like Nigeria and Rwanda and the Congo. And the Congo. Yeah. Yeah. Colton is this, is essentially a precious metal that is used in creating mobile phones. It helps with, I think, amplifying connectivity. It's without a doubt a capitalist commodity. And because of the scale of mobile phone productions, more and more coltan is needed, but there's limited supply. It's not found in many places in the world. So there's a lot of competition to get it and a lot of exploitation to get it. And lots of child labor used in extracting coltan because of how small the bodies are, they can fit into tight places. So um, this thing which satiates loneliness in various parts of the, of the world, destroys families in other parts of the world. And it's one of the counterpoints, the, the things that are cancelled in, in our quest for um, connectivity and, and contribute to climate change and the problems that we're facing in the West, but also globally. Charmaine Paper Talk Green is an Australian poet and visual artist. People can become comfortable in not even thinking about the issues of climate change or COVID pandemic or what's happening in Afghanistan. I'm just talking about where I live in Western Australia. People are quite comfortable and they're comfortable with their lifestyle. You can see things on the television and you can get horrified by what you see, but you can simply stand up and go and turn that television off, which means you can shut it out from your mind. And in some places that can't happen. That's a sort of comfortability that with those sort of blinkers on, things do become dangerous and people don't start thinking about the land, the ocean, or just the environment in general. I think humanity is still deeply self-centred and we haven't considered that we might just be a part of Earth is history. There's this um, this adage which I return to a lot, and it goes: um, "Humanity is the point in time where nature realized it exists." 
and we're just part of this continuum of awarenesses beyond us. But the dark addition to that is that at some point nature will forget, which will spell our doom. Humanity won't live forever. We can't, no species can. And I don't think it's bleak to consider our end. It's not about bleakness. It's not about depression. It's not about our end. It's about our self-centeredness, which is ultimately causing so much of our upheaval. Charmaine belongs to the Yamaji Nation in Western Australia, where she bears witness to the destructive effects of mining on the land. To us, the earth is living. You know, it, it's the same as us and it sustains everybody because we belong to the earth, the earth belongs to us. We're all connected in this one way. It's quite sad seeing the holes in the ground and there's huge holes in the earth that have now appeared from the mining near some really very significant sites and dreaming tracks. But there's also man-made hills, new landscapes that the younger generation who will grow up with them and just think that they're natural, that think that they always belong there where they are. They do belong to country, but they came out of the ground, onto top of the ground, while someone else has taken those resources simply to make money. It all goes back to money. Like when COVID first started, for instance, the miners who were fly in, fly out, they call them FIFOs. They were still allowed to fly in and fly out from interstate to go to their jobs. They weren't affected straight up. They were still moving them to make sure the resources industry kept going, kept turning over. It kind of leads into the poem, which talks about Yamajis are rich. Yeah. Yamaji rich. Uncle often said Yamajis are rich people. Some probably laugh, but I knew what he meant. Rich did not mean dollars or gold. Rich is spiritual. Rich is knowledge. Listening to the wind bring weather reports. Watching animals and birds with messages from loved ones or of something to happen. The land has strong, rich stories imprinted all over its face. Stories handed down for thousands of years sure is something to boast about. Rich meant being able to sit all day and read the land, learning from the land, listening to the land, respecting the land, and being rich in all this knowledge. It's about empathy, it's about creating space for deeper conversations and for, for people to be able to understand and see your life and why you live the way you live and how you've arrived at, at your life. And I think those are the conversations we need to have about why we keep buying new gadgets and why this government keeps on telling us to buy new gadgets. Where did this culture begin and what do we need to do to steer it otherwise? So that, that cuts across everything from racial politics to climate justice. As we know that 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 lifestyle, you know, the avocado vegan diet and the almond milk and the mobile phone, etc., to be able to afford that and to also create as much carbon emissions that it results in means that people in other parts of the world, generally people of colour, are suffering great devastation and loss. They're losing their homes. They're not having enough food or water. Yeah. And it, we're just beginning to see that, especially with the famines happening and the refugee crises happening. In, in Nigeria, you know, it's a population of maybe 230 million. It's exploding. But there are tens of millions of internally displaced people. Some of that is to do with climate change. And yet we have our governments. And I, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about, um, about the new laws which will persecute immigrants who sail across the channel to, you know, to the UK, to England. And the irony is and lost to me. This is how England went about colonizing. They sailed across vast waters, landed in, in countries illegally, and shot down those who resisted 
and it's just going mm-hmm. to get worse. People across the world, people of color, are going to become increasingly more de- desperate, and all of it is because of the history of, of this country. And we can't want the same things, and we shouldn't want to want the same things. And we have to acknowledge our history, the legacy of this country, and figure out ways that aren't punching down, that aren't pejorative, that aren't reductive, that aren't insulting, where we are trying to marshal other countries into not making the same mistakes we have done in terms of the commercialism and waste. I, I remember Gandhi was once asked if he wanted India to be as rich as England. And he gave the most beautiful answer. He said, um, it took England, the world's resources, to be as rich as it is now. How many planets would India need? In traditional Chinese medicine, the metal element has the potential to cut like a sword through what we need and what's no longer necessary in our lives. Its energy models a way to sharpen and polish what is useful and let go of what has become a burden. There's no burden bigger than climate change. Nothing else is more important than addressing how we carry it and share the burden more fairly. One way to start is by asking difficult questions and perhaps also making difficult choices. I wrote this poem out of conflict about flying and it's helped me decide to choose not to in future. It's called fliegskam, which is the Swedish word for flight shame. Or maybe it's better to say flight conscience. Fliegskam. At the bottom of my itinerary, it says, flights calculated average CO2 emissions is 546.44 kg slash person. I am that person, and I don't know what 546.44 kg average CO2 emissions are. I envisage them as a toxic cloud speckled with charcoal dust, sense the sky-wide weight of it on my back. Hero, victim, martyr, I carry the burden of Atlas. If I touched it, it would be cold, smelling faintly of gas, as if I'd forgotten to turn the cooker off after boiling milk for my morning coffee. The milk spills, the blue flame gutters and goes out, the gas leaks. The coffee's travelled from South America. I sit and drink it in my kitchen in Northumberland. The gas is siphoned from a tank in my garden I'm trying to disguise by growing a hedge of hawthorn and willow, the grass in front frilled with snowdrops. Three times a year, a tanker comes to fill it up. The pipe makes a sound between humming and hissing, a long black poisonous snake slithering through the gate across the lawn. A few weeks later, I get a bill for more than I can afford. It's February. The old stone house is freezing without the heating on. I sip my coffee, read my flight itinerary and look it up. 546.44 kg of CO2 is more than half of all the emissions the worker on a coffee plantation in Colombia would produce in a year. A white, winged thing thrashes through the cloud in my chest, struggles to fly free. In Our Element is presented by me, Linda France. It is a Sonderbug production with New Writing North in association with Newcastle University and is supported by the Audio Content Fund and Arts Council England. Thank you for listening. Love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words 
from East Leeds FM. Come.